Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to another Media Matters for Anfield Index. So, ladies and gents, the Reds sit second in the league on the back of a win against Brentford. There's an international break, which no one likes, followed by Manchester City coming up. So here to talk me through everything that's going on, his thoughts. I'm delighted to be joined as regularly by Ben Boxack. Ben, how are we? Yeah, all good. I mean, like I said, can't really complain after a 3-0 victory. I know, even though it's the international break, but it's a good way to go into that these, these next two weeks and look ahead to Manchester City as well. And I'm actually going to throw a bit, actually, because I saw, I literally saw it just before we started. And it was actually your tweet that you put out. It sort of popped up on my, my socials. Obviously, it's like breaking news, dramatic, but this could be good news in terms of Hungary against Bulgaria actually being forfeited. Did I read that right? Is that possible? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we're recording this on Monday and uh, we're meant to be getting more information today, later today. So, We'll know more what's going to happen with that when, whenever this podcast goes out. So by the time this podcast goes out, this might not be relevant. But basically, there was a situation in Bulgaria where they were the Bulgarian FA is pretty controversial in Bulgaria, and they were, wow. I think, quite afraid of some big protest or big reaction from the supporters. So they had to change the venue of the game, but they changed it to a venue 
in Plovdiv in a stadium that's still under construction. And wow. the, the, the local leaders there kind of flagged that up. Like, I mean, this, this could potentially be hazardous. And, and as a result, you know, it's, it's Monday now or, and the game is meant to be played Thursday and Hungary still don't know whether they're going to be playing a game or where they're going to be playing. So, you know, based on those facts, it seems possible that the game could be forfeited and Dominic Silverstein might only have one international game. In, in during this international week rather than two, which is obviously ideal because Hungary kind of that that if Hungary were to win to get these three points against Bulgaria by automatic forfeit, the next game for Hungary is irrelevant. They will, will have gone through as top of the group for the Euros. So you know, Sobosai could even get a little bit of a rest in in, in the last game of the the international break. Yeah, it's, things never tend to work out this way for Liverpool. But yeah, we, and this is this is not accepting any or upsetting. Sorry, I should say any of our Hungarian fans because they get the three points on the forfeit and everything like that. They qualify. Exactly. But it would. Be it works bad. well for everyone. But it, but, <laughs> yeah, if you could get a, a good sort of two week rest, bit bit of a small break back home, even for for Big Dom, then that would be absolutely perfect. So yeah, fingers crossed. By the time this comes round, or in conjunction that he's nicely rested. But yeah, it never works that way with us. But ladies and gents, what are we going to chat? We'll chat through the Brentford game as normal. Plenty to discuss there and plenty to discuss in a positive light, which is especially good considering recent um, performances against Luton and Toulouse especially. I think it's a good time to ask Ben as well about the season so far because it's a good sort of judgment point, isn't it, now ahead of this international break with City coming up. There will be a unique section I won't give too many spoiler alerts, but call Stat Me Up. So Ben will give us the headline stats from the seasons around Liverpool so far. And there's quite a few, actually, which surprised me as well, but I won't give anything away. And then the focus at the end will move towards City and that big game straight after the international break, 12.30 in a couple of weeks' time. But let's start on a positive before we get to that one, Ben. The Brentford game. I mean, 3 0 Salah double, Jota curler into the, the bottom corner. It felt good overall. I don't know, not sort of analysed it back massively myself, but honest thoughts on that performance as a whole? Yeah, I was expecting more of Brentford, I think. Um, they, they seemed like a dangerous team to play against and coming into this with Toulouse and Luton in the back of your head, you're thinking, you know, Thomas Frank's side could actually cause Liverpool a few problems, but yeah. thankfully I was positively surprised and it didn't seem, I think, at all that Brentford were causing Liverpool problems. I, I never once thought this was not going to be three points for Liverpool. Maybe there are a few chances where I thought, you know, Liverpool might not get keep a clean sheet, but in the mm. end, that kind of came through as well. So overall, I think, you got to be pleased, you know, the, the front three did really well. Um, I think uh, the, the sort of makeshift midfield that came in did yeah. uh, okay as well. Um, I think there's still some areas for improvement, especially, I think, pressing from the front. But uh, I did really like Shota's sort of off-the-ball contributions and Nunez's as well. Which it, which which helped the midfield to to control the game better as well and sort of minimise the risk of uh, counter attacks, which was a problem against Luton and and more so against Toulouse as well. Definitely, yeah. I think 
there might have been a few of us, and, and I'll hold my hands up when we all saw that team sheet and saw Endo and Simicass, and then there was the negative surprise, wasn't there, of where's Canate, where's Gomez type of thing, but, you know, update should follow on those. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of good performances, like you say, goals, a, a makeshift midfield, even, you know, sort of defensive masterclass from the captain, I'd say, as well. When you, If you're honest, when you look back, because there's a, there's a whole hope, or heap, sorry, of candidates for this, which is brilliant, who would you give man of the match to? I think we were talking about this before we were recording and Dar- it's got to be Darwin Nunez just because of his sort of off-the-ball movement, the the way he, you know, created Salah's first goal and I think, you know, the, the way he held up the ball before that goal and then, you know, slipped Salah through and I think just overall his, his performance was really good. I think, like we said, it was the typical sort of if Roberto Firmino was putting yeah. in that performance, we'd be saying like, wow, this was a really good game from Bobby. And I think um, it, it was nice to see that side of Nunez as well. We see we often see him, you know, just finishing, ending up in the box and trying to get on chances. I mean, he did that in this game as well. Yeah. Very unlucky not, not to be, I think, especially with the first one, depending on what frame VAR was using. Who knows? He might even have been onside when when Soboslay kicked that ball to him. So uh, we'll never know. But he was very unfortunate with that one. I mean, the second one was more of a clear offside, but a great finish nonetheless. Still, and I think overall, yeah, I was I was really impressed with him. Yeah, I think Jurgen talked about him afterwards. He did his fight. His, the cap lift came off. The big wow. He knew. I think, like you said, if. If it was the nine shirt and Firmino on the back, we'd have been going sort of brilliant, Bobby back to his best. So it's not necessarily what we always expect of Nunes or what we've come to expect. But yeah, I thought, I agree, he was sensational. Like you said, there's a few candidates. Salah gets his double. Probably the weirdest thing is Salah gets a double, he breaks all the records. And as a lot of people have it, it's Darwin or Virgil for man of the match, which seems almost like playing down low. But yeah, so many positive things. I mean... The forward line is an interesting one because I know you talked about the, the counter-pressing and what work Jota did off the ball. We've talked there about Nunes. The forward line, I mean, we've got five great forwards and there's always going to be that debate, I suppose. At the moment, though, is it Salah, Nunes, Jota? Are they the strongest front three we have for you or do you see it differently, Ben? Are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think it depends on the game, but if we're looking ahead to Manchester City... And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, there is not going to be any injuries during international mm-hmm. break. But that is the the front three that I would put out just because I think Jota's defensive contribution is key in a game like that. He's really good at pressing. He's arguably Liverpool's best presser. 
um, yeah. from the front. And the reason why a lot of the games where Liverpool have struggled, I think, was that Liverpool's inability to defend from the front. We saw that a lot last season. Club made a lot of remarks about that last season, how yeah. Liverpool struggled because they were not defending from the front. And I think right now, obviously, Hakpo is relatively new. He's still getting used to that that, that pressing system. Uh, Diaz is is quite good at it, but I think Jota is just more effective at the moment. So he's on, he would be unfortunate to miss out. But I also think Diaz makes his, his sort of energy when he comes on from off the mm. bench is is a little bit better than Jota's impact. I think Jota is probably better to to start from the start starting the starting eleven and and Diaz coming off the bench with his energy and speed. Um, you know, trying to catch out tight legs is is probably the way to go about this. Um, and for me, yeah, so I think I would go with that front three just because of the off the ball movement as well. And obviously, they're, they're good strikers as well. And we saw that against uh, against Brentford. Sorry. Yeah, it is interesting, especially Jota. I mean, that's eight goals now for the season, so he is he's firing, and he's probably doing him down a bit, so to speak. But he always feels like a streaky player, Jota. It goes in batches, doesn't it? He'll have like a great great period and he'll say, I don't know, he's hit 10 in 12, something like that. And then he may just go a bit cold occasionally. But at the moment when he's hot, he's hot and he scored a belter yesterday. So yeah, 3-0, all good. And then we look at the league and we're thinking we're level on points with City. Like, I can't say that we'll ever be supporting Chelsea, but a draw is not the worst result in the world when you look at it. And then we're a point behind the league leaders. There's been some great games, as you know, Ben. There's probably still been the Toulouse's and the Luton's recently, shall we say, as well. So there's been a, a mix, a bit of a, a roller coaster, but overall it's positive. What are your honest thoughts on the season as it stands so far? I mean, should we view it as it's been better than expected, we're in it. You know, How do you actually see it? I think you've got to say it's better than expected. If we're, if we're taking the view of what happened last season, you know, Liverpool have started really well and I think we would have taken it at this stage to be a point behind City heading into that game. Uh, at the same time, though, I mean, you've got to say if that Luis Diaz goal was given, we'd be level on points. Yeah. You know, if we get the the three points against Luton like we should. And I think maybe the, the Brighton game as well was one of those where it's a bit unfortunate. But if you get some of those results right, I mean, potentially we could be heading into that game with, you know, three, four points over City and that game not necessarily mattering that much. But um, overall, I think you've got to be pleased given how much of a reshuffle this was not just in the midfield, but in terms of the leadership in the summer, um, the fact that Liverpool have been able to start so well, um, it speaks volumes of the, the the rebuild and the Liverpool 2.0 that Klopp is trying to build. And this is just the beginning. So I think there's plenty of reasons to be excited about what's ahead and how what was the next stage in the process of this Liverpool 2.0. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that there's probably, like you say, there's always those games we'll look back off and that's the nature of things when you're doing well, like what if, what could have been. But we're still in the quarters of the Carabao. We've got West Ham to come. We still are top of that Europa group, even with the, the Toulouse defeat. So everything, you know, 
essentially is positive at, at this stage. And I mean, I did want to come back almost rewind a bit because I know it was almost a not an outside shot, that's wrong to say, but I know you picked Nunes as a potential player of the year. And I remember when I said that, there was a bit of me thinking, ooh, that's an interesting pick. And then there was probably a few other listeners thinking, okay, interesting, especially when you're putting him up against the others. But he was excellent, as we said, against Brentford yesterday. How do you view his season so far overall? I think you've got to sort of put him up there in contention for that award already. Uh, Maybe I'm speaking from a biased point of view, but I think he has... I'm seeing a lot more fans warming to him and I think he's won, won a lot of fans over uh, this season. And I think when I was speaking to his former coaches, a lot of the sort of feedback that I got was that, you know, you have to wait and see your time with him, let him get grow a bit of confidence, let him get used to the system, let him get get used to the surroundings. You know, he's yeah. we can already see that's happening. He's, he's getting better with his English. He's saying more English words and... You know, he's, he's feeling a lot more settled and now he's got players in behind him like Soboslai, like McAllister, who can who could also feed him through. And I think we're seeing him get even more chances than last season. Yeah. And in all fairness to him, yes, he's had a few shockers. Um, I would say the one against Luton that everyone is highlighting was actually quite a difficult chance, the way the ball was so high up uh, to get his... His long legs down was it was it would have been a, a a finish that you'd expect a striker to make, but I think you know it it, it can happen that, that a striker sort of fluffs his line and doesn't get it. But overall, I think he's finishing a lot more chances. Um, his overall play is a lot better. He's creating chances as well, and I yeah. think there's a reason why Benfica fans adored him and. and Almeria fans really liked him as well. And Uruguay fans are obsessed with him. And I think we're seeing that side of him more now. Uh, whereas last season, you could see he's a bit maybe short on confidence and was more playing with more frustration rather than the sort of liberated Nunez that we're getting now, the, the freer version of him when he's, he's really not afraid to do anything and he will pull off. Uh, you know, the overhead kick and, and he'll get it right. I mean, unfortunately, it was offside, but it, I think I think he's he, he's getting better and better. And like I said, this is just the beginning. He's still very young. Yeah, true. Absolutely. And even his stats, I mean, he's got he's got seven goals already, hasn't he? He's got, and it depends which which format, which site I should say you take, but up, up to sort of six assists yesterday as well. So, He's always involved. He's always having a contribution. There's no two ways about it for Darwin. So, yeah, positive. And I think if we're honest, he is in the starting lineup, isn't it, really? At the moment, it's hard to argue anything different. I mean, being honest, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Ben, because I know you love Darwin, as we all do. But if you were to say right now, heart of hearts, who has been the best Liverpool player? Who would, if the awards, if the season was cut short now, who do you think honestly would take the award? Who's been your standout this season, would you say? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. 
the podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think probably Virgil. It's just, you know, especially that game yesterday, I think really highlighted how, how good he's been. And I think he was a key part of the fact that even with nine men, uh, one of the best attacking sides in the Premier League at the moment in Tottenham mm. had to wait to get a lucky own goal in the 96th minute to, 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 to concede. And I think that was a, a ma- ma- for major part down to Van Dijk and, and his defending and the way he's controlling the defence as well. Um, for me, I think he's been superb and I think this season has shown why he's up there again as one of the best centre-backs in the world. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, we're going to get into the stats later, but I think he's a he, he's played a key role in, in Liverpool being one of the sort of best defensive sides in the Premier League so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his highlight reel is outrageous this season. Like you said, even, even yesterday, it was great to see that one where he just knocks it off the head of Mopé, where he's going to make it 3-1. And the one I think most people will signal from yesterday is that one where Mbuemo's just almost like a yard ahead. And there's a bit of like, here we go. But he's still got those afterburners, hasn't he? Just to like, they're still there, even at like, you know, his age, just to clock it on. So... Yeah, he he has been absolutely sensational this season, Virgil. And probably, you know, you'll never know he could be wrong, but does Toulouse happen with Virgil at the back? Don't really see it myself with that organisation, but yeah, all positive. Now, this bit, ladies and gents, is a brand new section which we'll start doing regularly. So those who follow Ben on social media like me will see Ben loves his stats. He pulls them from all angles of the world, all different players, all different sources, but... There is some telltale stats from Liverpool this season. So in the first section of Stat Me Up, there's three things we're really going to look at. And I won't give too much more because I'll steal Ben's thunder a bit. But speaking of Darwin Nunes, shall we say, I know there's a big one you sent me through that made me a bit surprised. So Darwin Nunes, number one, Stat Me Up, Ben. What have we got? Right. So, you know, obviously we're heading into Manchester City and, um, we all know the comparisons, not last summer, but the summer before with Erling Haaland and Darwin Nunez, two number nines coming into two of the biggest clubs in England. Um, Nunez, probably, let's, let's, let's be honest, we'll, we'll admit it. New, Haaland won the first season race. Nunez lost that one. But right now, uh, on current form, I think there's an argument to be made that Nunes has actually been more prolific than Haaland. Um, so if we're looking at goal contributions based on the minutes played, right now Nunes is averaging a goal every 67 minutes, whereas Haaland is only, I say only, averaging a goal every 71.9 minutes. So let's say 72 minutes. 
to round it up, which means Nunez is averaging a goal contribution. So that's a goal or an assist. On average, five minutes more regularly than Haaland. So wow. it's a small margin, but at the moment, Nunez is is winning the race between them if if we're trying to be fair and, and seeing how many minutes they're playing and and that sort of thing. Obviously, Haaland in total has more goal contributions, mm. but in that sense, um, I think that's something interesting and it kind of shows how prolific Nunez has been because um, if I remember correctly, his most prolific season at Benfica, he was only averaging, uh, I say only, but I think he was close to a goal contribution every 90 minutes, whereas now he's doing it every 67 minutes, which is an incredible figure. I, I can't remember the last time a Liverpool forward got got those sort of figures. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an exciting time for, for Nunez. It is, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that he's always involved, isn't he? As we, we said it before, and the stats back it up as well. Like that one. Second one, if I... I'm right, Alexis McAllister, because his positions and, and his performances are always under the microscope. Understandably, not his fault because of the the way it's worked out, that number six role. So I know the next one was around Alexis McAllister. So which one's that? Yeah, so if we're looking at his performance for Brighton last season, in total in the Premier League, he made 92 tackles and interceptions. For for Liverpool, I think he's played 11 games, if I'm correct, so far. Um, and he's already got 41. So that's close to almost half after 11 games. And I think I wanted to highlight this stat because I think it kind of shows how much is being asked of him in that holding midfield role. Yeah. Now he's, he's not necessarily used to playing that kind of role. Um, obviously, the, I think that... You know, they, they, there's a common adage in football where they say the goalkeeper is the loneliest position on the field. But I think for Liverpool, you can make an argument that the loneliest position is the holding midfield role. Um, for Liverpool, just because of the way the two midfielders, either side of him, press forward. That's what, that's what's required in the Gagan press. Mm-hmm. You know, they go into the opposition's defensive final third. However, when that press is not effective and the opposition get through, Oftentimes, the holding midfield position is isolated, and and you, you, they get asked a, a, a lot yeah. of them to 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 be able to to thwart that attack and and effectively win the ball back. But I think overall, you know, McAllister is doing a decent job. Um, obviously, like I said, it's it's a, it's a lonely role. It's a difficult role, but. You know, he has made the most tackles and interceptions by far for Liverpool. I think the closest is uh, Virgil van Dijk, but he's only, I can't, let me just double check the figures. I've got, I've got them noted down uh, when I sent it to you. Uh, yeah, the closest, van Dijk has 24, wow. <laughs> which is closest. So, you know, that again shows how much work is and how much defensive work is being asked of McAllister. And, um, Potentially, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if, if Liverpool do bring in another holding midfielder in January um, to sort of tackle that and, and bring someone in who is actually used to doing that kind of work. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of footballers in world football who, who can do that, but the Liverpool's sort of scouting system, that's their job to, to, to find that player. But um, I think long term, 
clearly, based on the numbers McAllister's posted in the past, he is not that kind of player and he would definitely be more effective in a, a different kind of role. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like you say, as soon as that, there's so much expected of Liverpool's number six. And like like we've mentioned before, it's not necessarily what he signed up for, what he expected. But yeah, maybe there's a, a different way of looking at it. And the the last stat, and I think it's, this one actually kind of surprised me because the Luton game, which obviously disappointed many, understandably, and a lot of the focus was on the sort of the missed chances and also the, the ground jewels of the midfield didn't sort of, you know, dominate mm-hmm. there as they, as they could do, so to speak. But actually, I know missed chances was the, the focus and obviously the Darwin miss, which we've talked about, but it was actually the jewels weren't the best, were they, by the attackers, if I've read that one right as well? Yeah, it was not actually the Luton, but the Toulouse game. That Sorry, Toulouse, yeah. But, you know, I think I saw a lot of posts on social media highlighting the, the lack of jewels won by the midfielders. Yes. Uh, but uh, actually, I think, you know, like I've mentioned uh, already in, in this podcast, club system, it starts from the attack. If if you don't win the duels in attack, then you leave the midfielders isolated, isolated and in turn, they're not going to win their duels. And then the defence is left isolated as well. And then they're not going to win their duels either. So um, against Toulouse, um, Liverpool starting front three lost 25 duels combined and only wow. won 12 which is is quite a lot. And rightly so, I mean, little fans were highlighting how Endo, McAllister, Sobosai, yeah. when they came on, they they were not winning a lot of duels. But I think what fans missed is is the fact that the the press and the attack wasn't necessarily working either. And that meant, as I said, you know, the midfield had a difficult job because when the attack doesn't win the, the duels, then the midfield has a lot harder job, job to do it as well. And I think it's kind of important to highlight that, you know, it's not, you, you can't necessarily scapegoat the midfielders all the time. Klopp has made it clear that his attackers need to be better defenders. And mm-hmm. that's something um, that needs to be sort of looked at. Uh, obviously, the, the starting three that, 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 that played against Toulouse is, is not the starting three that you would play normally. And I think, like we mentioned already in this podcast, it was a lot more effective against Brentford when Diego Jota, Salah and Nunez was playing. But it is something that sort of um, should be taken into consideration when, when you're looking at how many ground duels, how many duels a midfielder is winning first check for Liverpool if, if the attackers are winning their duels. Because if they are winning their duels, then OK, we, we do have a midfielder problem. But if they're not, then I think it's more of a system problem than just um, down to to the midfielder or the or the player themselves. Makes sense, yeah. Because I, I think I I was one, and there's, there's, there was some great stats put out there, especially after that that Toulouse game. You looked at the midfield, and as you said, the the highlight was Endo not winning any, and then the, even with the as you mentioned, Zabozlai coming on, it, it didn't really seem to to get better, even with Trent, Salah, and, and those. But as you also say, if it it's almost the, the domino effect, isn't it? If the attackers aren't winning their duels, mm. I mean, it, it, you know, and then people obviously have to go at the defence, but if those ahead of them aren't winning any of their duels, it's going to go one way, isn't it? As it as it tended to do. So, yeah, it's, it's probably an interesting one, that as well, because there's been brilliant bits of the season so far, some magical bits like Nunez's goals against Newcastle, but they're still work to do, shall we say, and still, uh, you know, 
things to to focus on, which probably brings us nicely to this City game right after the international break, 12.30 in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, the early kickoff at the Etihad. I'm going to ask you this honestly, Ben, and it's not it's not sort of set it in a negative point of view, but where we are and everything right now, would you take a point right now if it was offered? If it was on the table, would you take the point and move on? Um, oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I'm always expecting Liverpool to win, but um, do you know what? I'm going to say, uh, no, I think Liverpool can win this. And I think I I don't think I would have said this if I didn't see the Chelsea Man City game last night. Mm. Uh, but watching that City play the way they did against Chelsea, I think that I think Darwin Nunez would have been licking his lips. Salah would have been licking his lips. It, there was a lot of spaces for Liverpool to exploit, and yeah, City did look dangerous going forward. But I think you can make the argument. Um, did they deserve that penalty? I, I, I think that was a bit of a contentious decision. And if they don't get that penalty, then um, you know Chelsea would win the game. Um, obviously, the the fourth, I think the fourth or the third City goal was a bit of a deflection. So again, very fortunate that it went in. I wasn't that convinced, and you know I, I might re- live to regret these words, but I feel slightly optimistic that that Liverpool can get. A big result away from home, and and I get the impression that Guardiola is, is being a little bit cautious of Liverpool. Again, I mean, after his post-match press conference, he he mentioned the Liverpool uh, in 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 relation to to them or to us also getting a draw at Chelsea and and playing better than Arsenal or something like mm-hmm. along those lines, and um, which was a strange thing to include. And I I, I just get the impression that. Um, you know, there there is a chance there, and I think I'm not a hundred percent convinced by this Manchester City side yet. But they they always tend to do this every season. They start the season slow, and then they really get going towards the end. So we'll wait and see. But I think I'm optimistic that based on this current City, Liverpool could get a result. Yeah, it's, it's like you say though. It's it, it's obviously it's a tough place to go, and on paper, it's the champions and all those things that that stack against it. But like you said, at the same time, they shipped four goals yesterday. Even if you think Chelsea, who who haven't been the best attacking team by some way, there was that one that Sterling squared it to Gusto. I think their right back is, mm. isn't it? He put it over the bar. Jackson still missed a couple of one on ones at the same time as well. I mean, Chelsea literally had chances galore. So. Yeah, it's it's yeah the uh, the heart versus the head here type of thing. It will be interesting to see. I mean, it is a big one to to build up to. So, with it being a big one, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you to make some of the big calls that no injuries, fingers crossed, touch wood, everything. It looks like Jurgen Klopp may have to make these decisions. So, I'm going to start at left back then because. Simicast got a couple of assists yesterday and, you know, the praise should always be as loud as the criticism, all those types of things. Gomez played left-back against Luton. Did okay, I thought. Did okay. But obviously there's that natural fear about Costas's defensive abilities, especially City away, what that might mean. You know, will Alvarez pull out there? Could even Doku, you know, switch wings from normal to, to tap into that? Gomez or Simicast, who are you playing left-back? 
I think I'm going with Simicas. Uh, I know the popular choice is probably Gomez uh, in terms of his defensive ability, but I think the way you're going to beat this City side, as Chelsea showed, is is not by defending, it's by attacking. And obviously, Timakas is, is the, the more effective attacker, the more effective player going forward. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's as poor defensively as people make out. I think he, he he's quite okay. He's nothing spectacular defensively. Yeah. Um, he was really unfortunate with the the Toulouse goal uh, midweek when when he lost the ball. It's just poor play from him. But I think that happens to everyone. Robertson has made similar or those kind of mistakes as well. That's just a part of football. It's always going to happen. But I think as well with if we're going to go with Diego Jota on the left wing, him and Timikas work quite well together. And I don't know. I think, like I said, the way you're going to beat the City side is by going full throttle and attacking them and that's how we have beaten City in the past as well we've never won beaten them by by sitting back and defending um mm. so I think that's what you got to do and for that reason I'm going with Timikas interesting yeah and I mean the midfield's fascinating as well and then fingers crossed again we're getting them all back because there's, there's been a big absentee list that Provided there's no injuries, Alexis McAllister's back, hopefully Gravenberg, hopefully Curtis Jones as well. That is the expectation after the international break. If everyone is fit, and I know that's a big if, Ben, but fingers crossed everyone's fit and available, who will you start in that midfield three and in what position? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think I'm still going with McAllister as the holding midfielder. As we mentioned, he's, he is being asked to do a lot of defensive work, but I think on the whole, he's done all right. He's done okay. And I still think in these big games, he's got the most experience, you know, playing against Manchester City. I still... I'm kind of a little bit worried where with Endo, he said that he tends to be a, a bit too eager to win his challenges. And I think he, he got away with a potential red card against Toulouse. He was very eager against Brentford as well, committed to a lot of challenges. And, and in this sort of zippy yeah. game against Man City, I worry that he could do something silly and, and, and get himself sent off. Um, so I would go with McAllister. I think it's just a calmer head in there. Um, alongside him, I really like Gravenberch, but I feel like he's got the ability to make an impact off the bench. 
so for me, I'm, I'm going with Jones because I think he controls that midfield a little bit better. He's um, he's really good in possession. I think he's a bit calmer in possession, a bit more mature, but he's also got that sort of Graven Birch about him that he can go on a little bit of a run from midfield and, and, and beat a few defenders and create open up spaces for the attack in at the same time. And then I think even though Sobosai admitted he hasn't been his his best in the last few games, I I'm still going with him starting in, in the right sided midfield role. Um I think his pressing is gonna be crucial. I think um there's an argument to be had that if he wasn't subbed off against Luton, you know, with his speed, he might have been one of those players who would have made it back in time and and and, and mm. got a deflection and got got a block. And I think that speed was sort of evident in in against Brentford. Um, he he didn't have the greatest game in possession, but as soon as sort of Brentford went forward I always saw him sprinting back so his off the ball work was was still quite good and obviously City are known as as the masters of possession so you are going to need a lot of off the ball work and Sobose is currently I think the best Liverpool midfielder at doing that so for that reason I I would play him Um, and then attack I think we've already mentioned Shota, Nunez and Salah it's got to be that's the, the strongest one right now Feels very unfortunate on Luis Diaz to say that, but I think it's a, it's a very fine line between Diaz and Jota, and I think because I I just find Jota's defensive work rate to be more effective, I would start with him. But Diaz, it has the ability in him to to change a game on its head, and uh, I I I I think he makes really good impact of the bench, and we saw that against Luton as well. Um, not just the goal, but his overall sort of play, he, he was brilliant in terms of bringing the energy in, in, into the attack. Yeah, I think, didn't, think that's fair. I'd, I'd actually have the exact same midfield for me as well. I did have, I think, Jones and Zabozlai, McAllister's numbers you spoke about there, but Jones and Zabozlai especially, I think those are your best defensive options ahead of Gravenberg. And then it's still, it means, I mean, you look at the bench there, you still then got, provided these are all fit, Gravenberg to come on, Diaz to make an impact, Gatpo for for an option. Harvey Elliott's done well as a, a substitute, especially this season. So, yeah, it's fingers crossed, fingers crossed. You have all these options to choose from. If I promise, probably the the final question I wanted to to ask you, and this is an interesting one with City because they are the champions. Their squad's incredible. There's no two ways about it. If you could pick one City player to miss that game. Who would you drop out? Who would you like to see? Like, just a not wishing harm on anyone, but just a knock or anything like that. So whatever it may be, who would you like taking out the lineup? I mean, it's probably going to be a boring answer, but Erling Haaland, like, he's just just watching him play against Chelsea and and watching him play all the time. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, he's just such a unique specimen of footballer, and I think. You know, he's already scored a, f- a few goals against Liverpool in the past. Uh, yeah. Even I remember him causing problems to Van Dijk when he was 18 years old or, or, or mm. 19 years old in the Champions League for Salzburg. And obviously he's gotten a lot better since then. Um, so yeah, it might be a boring answer, but I, when Haaland's on the pitch, like 
City just look like they could score at any point. He looks like he could score at any point. He looks like he could beat anyone at any point. Um, so yeah, that that's my answer. Obviously, Jeremy Doku has been quite good, but I think um, overall, Haaland is is their biggest threat. And if he somehow picks up a little knock, hopefully nothing too serious, or you know, yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't complain if if he missed that game for sure. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think Haaland probably and the other one. I think people have flagged Rodri because they looked a bit mm. a bit poorer, shall we say, in the middle there, didn't they? Without without his protection, and he, he for me probably is the best number six in the world. But yeah, Haaland or Rodri, and just need to be as a disclaimer, people. We are not wishing harm on people, no, but we no, absolutely not. Up would be upset if there was just a, a small tweak or a strain mm. to see. But Ben, if you had to predict heart overhead, if you were putting cold hard cash on the line, what would be your score? I mean, we probably both think there'll be go- goals galore in this one. Might be wrong, but what would you bet as a scoreline for this one? Well, it's a twelve thirty kickoff. First yeah. game back after the international break. Um, so maybe not so many goals. You, those te- those games tend to be a bit more sluggish, uh, especially I think because we're expecting quite a few South Americans to be involved, and they've always got long trips to make back home. So I'm I'm going with two uh, one Liverpool victory. Um, I reckon I reckon Liverpool could do it. I I'm expecting Haaland to play, so Haaland will get one. And then Nunez will get another and, and Salah maybe will score from a penalty. We would take that all day long in an absolute heartbeat. But we've only got a couple of weeks to wait and see. So all it leaves me to really say is, Ben, thanks for the stats. Thanks for the insight as normal. It's much appreciated. No problem. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 